Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Nobody likes a tattletale. You know, as a child, it was common for me and for us as children, I'm sure it was sort of for many of us here, to be told after reporting on a brother or sister, at least in my family, that nobody likes a tattletale, especially the one who's ratted on, right? Uh, how many of you heard that? Am I the only one? Oh, okay, I thought it was rather common. Nobody likes a tattletale. Mommy, guess what Dale's doing? Mommy, guess what? Well, usually it was my sisters ratting on us. That's the way it was. They were goody, goody uh, two-shoes. Not really. They were sinners that needed to be saved. But usually my brother and I were over the edge and being reported on. And we didn't like that very much. That's probably why I remember that so well. The one that was ratted on doesn't like it. Well, did you know, did you know that you have a part of your body that actually rats on your heart? Nobody likes a tattletale. Well, I got news for you. It's true. You got a part of the marvelous body that God made you that actually rats on your heart. It's your tongue, that little slippery, slimy fellow, that serpent behind your teeth. Mark straightens the teeth, but he can't help much with the tongue. No, it's like a serpent in more ways than one. And you know, it rats, it rats on your heart, and mine rats on mine. Jesus told us in the Gospels, for out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. That's right. In other words, your tongue is a tattletale. It always gives indication of what's happening almost moment by moment, what's going on in your heart. It's the thermometer to the body. Your words are the measure of your spiritual temperature, for it produces what it is told to produce by the heart. Well, you say, open up, let's take your temperature and uh, find out what's going on in there. And that's really what that slippery, slimy thing behind your teeth, and maybe that's why God imprisoned it behind the teeth, because it does such insidious things. But it's, as it wags around, gives indication of where you are spiritually and where I am. And I'm reminded, you know what? This is a 24-7 deal. You know, they put prisoners in jail and they have guards there all the time. They, they, we're going to have a holiday here soon on the 4th of July. They don't say, okay, all the guards, you guys go home. We don't need you today, right? No way. The same thing is true with the tongue. I'm telling you, it is insidious. We can sing great songs today like we did. Holy, holy, holy. Wasn't that wonderful? 
and drive out of this parking lot and cuss out the guy in front of us because he cut us off. I mean, it's a 24-7 thing. And it's not this little guy's fault. It's something deeper. The problem lies within the heart, which is the center of who you are. It's your thinking. Actually, it's your mind. It's, it's who you are and who I am. Well, God's wonderful word has an abundance to say about our tongues and their usage. And as we studied last week, we are to live to the glory of God. And one way that you and I can do that is by honoring God with our tongues. If you're a Christian this morning, God expects you to live with your tongue under control. And therefore, your heart needs to be right moment by moment. And let me remind you, God listens in on every word that you say and everything that I say. Psalm 139, verse 4. Write that down. 139, verse 4. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it altogether. God listens in. We have some pretty amazing listening in devices today, don't we? I saw one advertised on TV. You could go to a gathering and you could hear what people were saying at quite a distance. Now, why anyone would want to do that, I don't know. It showed a guy who wanted to date these girls and he was listening into the girls whether they thought he was a handsome stud or something. And uh, they probably were saying quite the opposite, so why a guy would ever want to hear something like that? Now, it did help some of the folks that can't hear, you know, period, so you could sort of tune in and find out what was being said. But I'm telling you, 24-7, God hears every word that we say, every word, and we'll give an account of that. Well, three reminders uh, regarding your tongue urging you to use it only for the glory of God. Nobody likes a tattletale, and that's what your tongue is and mine. For the wrong use of the tongue is probably, I suggest this to you, the easiest way for you and I to sin. The reason is there's no built-in restraints for it. Wouldn't you like that? I mean, we have built-in restraints in our cars, don't we? Fasten that seatbelt. Right? Or, you know, you stop quickly, you're going to be kissing the windshield. Or worse, worse, you could be like a, you know, propel right through it. And that's why you have the built-in restraint. Last time I checked, there's nothing restraining in our mouths, our tongue. But, oh, we could use it, right? Tie that little fella down so he doesn't wag like he does and give the telltale sign there's problem deeper within. Well, the first reminder James gives us in James chapter 3, we're going to pick up verse 1 to 5a is, uh, your tongue, though very small, has has great power. Look at verse 1 of James 3. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. Pastor James, this is the half-brother of Jesus, pastor at the Church of Jerusalem, Not many of you, he says, should presume to be teachers, my brothers. Why? Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. 
We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone uh, is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect or complete man, able to keep his whole body in check. The teacher in his tongue, the warning giving. Now he's going to do an excursion for all of us into the dangers of our tongue. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, uh, we do that to make them obey us. We can turn their whole body, their whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. We'll stop here at that point. Your tongue, though very small, has great power. Great power. James offers a couple of uh, examples illustrating the power of the tongue. He uses the horse. And in that day, the horse was a ferocious uh, a military fighting uh, uh, a piece of uh, equipment, if you will, in a military warfare type of thinking, especially the Egyptians with the chariots and the, the prancing. It, it struck horror into the, uh, the opposing armies to see the horses charging you, high-spirited. Uh, they hear the trumpet sound of battle, and they're prancing, and up and down, and their adrenaline is flowing. Here, horses... Uh, illustrate the tongue. Horses are extremely powerful, and yet you can control that mass of muscle, that prancing and bite with a little bit in its mouth. You can make it go left or right, even back up, they tell me. James, I think, has in mind the prancing, high-spirited war horse in his illustration, and yet that little piece of steel with the bridle uh, connected to it, controls all of that hundreds of pounds of power, spirit, might. And then he goes on to give us a second illustration of ships. He says, or take ships as an example. They're large, aren't they? They're enormous, huge ships on the sea are guided by that real small rudder. They're enormously large, and today we live in the day of large ships. Those uh, oil tankers are enormous. I don't know exactly the size, but two or three football fields in length, I'm, I'm told. Enormous tankers carrying that Petro so that you can go down and complain about 275 for a gallon of gas that puts you along. Well, I'm thankful for it. It beats uh, certainly walking. And it beats uh, riding a bike, though I do enjoy riding a bike. I wouldn't want to ride to Georgia, you know. Enormous ships floating the seas. And that little rudder makes the steers all of that massive weight and tonnage. That's what James is talking about. Though very large, these ships, and even buffeted by the winds at the sea, it's steered by such a small rudder. Well, in verse 4, James gives us the application in verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Your tongue is very small uh, compared uh, to the rest of your body. It exercises a power 
far out of proportion to its size. You know that the average adult, uh, I don't know if you've weighed your tongue lately, it's probably a gross thing to try and do anyway. The average tongue, I'm told, weighs about one pound. Now I weigh 189 pounds, and that means a very small percentage, if I'm average with the size of my tongue, though I give it a lot of workout, it may be a little bigger, is very small in comparison to the rest of, uh, of that, uh, that manhood that's standing up here behind the pulpit. Amen, Jim? That's right. Going to get better with a new hip. But that little fella in my mouth, you know, it's... Its influence and power is so out of proportion to the rest of me that we generally like people and receive them well or dislike or even worse based upon that little pound of flesh behind your teeth and mine. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, we can say things uh, and be heard to say things or write things or do things on Twitter or on Facebook or email or whatever, and people don't like us. That means they don't like my toe or my knee or my elbow or my hands or my eyes or anything else because of what this little thing here in comparison to the rest of me, and they don't like the rest of me either. I mean, in comparison, a bit in the horse's mouth, a little rudder during an enormous ship, this little thing has a power that's enormous. And we ought to be reminded of it. This is a theme that probably ought to be repeated about every three weeks, probably more, at least daily to ourselves, right? The power of the tongue is enormous. Now, just this past uh, March, on March 28th, we celebrated from 1979 uh, Three Mile Island and the, uh, the meltdown on Three Mile Island. It was a calamity of errors. It was a broken gauge. I'm told it was human error. And uh, thank the Lord that uh, averted disaster. It could have been horrible. Um, and the Lord did that. One thing that's so... Uh, amazing about atomic power is it is so small and if you do it right and handle it right and have all the cautionary things in there, it produces great benefits. Great benefits. And I, for one, if the Lord should tarry and we learn how to care for the the, the spent uh, 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 fuel, uh, know how to handle it and care for it right, I think it's a tremendous thing We've got folks that are a little bit, uh, some would call environmental wackos, that hate atomic energy, but I got news for you, it's a tremendous thing. The last time we were in, in Europe and to see around France and Germany all these nuclear plants, small, producing enormous power for Europe, I'm thinking, what's the matter with us here in the States? We haven't built a plant in 30 years. It'd be a great thing. Well, nuclear power can be used for great good, handled right, figure out what to do with the little bit of waste that comes from the splitting of the atom, producing the heat, making steam, producing electricity. Tremendous thing. But I'm saying to you, the power of nuclear energy is one thing. The power of our tongue 
though a very small thing, like nuclear energy, very small thing in comparison to the outcome. Our tongue is like that and can uh, exude with power far, far beyond its little, little size as it tells a tale about our heart. People like us or not largely by our tongue. And can I say one thing with that? In teaching and days gone by in college and seminary, you know, as we communicate with our tongue, do you know more of our message is carried non-verbally than verbally? Two-thirds of it, they figure, is carried non-verbally. That means the, the loudness that we speak, that's a non-verbal. It means um, the rate in which we speak. It means all of these things, our body language, you know, I could tell Faithy I love her in the wrong tone, and she would never believe me. We, we tend to believe the nonverbal, the involuntary reaction responses versus the deliberate and voluntary, like the chosen words we use. And so our words and even nonverbal aspects of communication uh, conveys what's in our heart and in our minds. Our tongue, what power, wow. James is right. Horses, ships, that's our tongue. Well, did you know one thing? That, that Adam's first sin after the fall was a sin of the tongue? We, we might expect that, right? How did he do that? He accused God of the, giving him the woman. Adam, what did you do? Well, Lord, the woman you gave me. You know, I grew up and discovered life was junior high. There he is, Adam, in all his glory, accusing God of uh, causing his sin, blame-shifting. Wow, there we go. It's no wonder we have such a problem with that slippery serpent behind our teeth. There, there's a second reminder. Not only does our tongue have great power, but James goes on to tell us our tongue has the power to do great damage to others. That's what he's saying in verses 5b through 12. Let's read it. Consider, he begins in the middle of verse 5, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. It's a world of evil among um, the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell itself. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea are tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness and image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Well, James continues and he, he uh, reminds us of, of our tongue, urging us to use it for God's glory as God's children saved by faith that your tongue is a power to do great damage to others. He tells us, A, that our tongues are likened to fire, as both uh, can cause enormous destruction. 
We've seen that in recent years, have we not? Out west, with some of the lightning strikes that have caused with the St. Andrew's wind, enormous loss of thousands and thousands of acres of, of trees that have burned down because of a, a lightning or a careless camper or the throwing of a, a after lighting a cigarette, matches onto the uh, ground. The destruction, the loss of animal life and in the wild and all of that caused by such a small beginning through carelessness. It reminds me as a boy uh, often seeing Smokey the Bear on TV, right? Smokey, not Yogi, Smokey. And Smokey would say what? Only you can prevent forest fires. Only you. Only you. And he's he's right in that. Learned that well as a Boy Scout, how to put a fire out when you're out camping. But uh, the fire that comes from your tongue, only you can prevent that, that comes from your tongue. Look at one. Our tongues destroy uh, through hateful, false, and careless words. It has the power of life and death. That's Proverbs 18.21. Write that down. Your tongue has the power of life. That is all the beauty that's associated with life. Your tongue has that power. It also has the power of death. Death words. Death words. Faithy and I often refer when we hear words that are evil, uh, sinful, hateful, slanderous um, words of all. Those are death words, we'll often say. Death words. They destroy through the careless wagging of that tongue. Your tongue has the power of life and death. Second, your tongue is not independent from the rest of you. There may be independent agents in the sports world that are playing out there last year and want to be bid up and get a better contract. But i got news for you. There are no independent players in your body. Your tongue is attached to the rest of you. If you have lust in your heart, that's an inordinate strong desire for that which is evil. If you envy, that is, you crave covetously to have what others have, and you express that. Uh, If you hate in your heart, and your words express that, Uh, anger is just that. Anger is really killing without knives. That's slander. Uh, then your tongue sooner or later will express it. It's the thermometer of your heart. It's the tattletale. And that's why we must be driven daily to ask the Lord to examine our hearts as Christian and to root out of of our hearts these wicked propensities and take the garbage out. How often have we said that? That's a Daily spiritual discipline, Lord, and I did it this morning. I do it every single day, and it's, uh, it's a hard discipline as I'm reminded of uh, the sin that I have committed. So much of it is expressed through the tongue. Lord, forgive me for that. Wash me and cleanse me. Pride and arrogance, self-centered and selfishness, lying, half-truths, which are all lies and, and the like. it's going to be revealed by your tongue, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And we are told in James in verse 6, 
that the source of all this is Satan. It is set on fire by hell, we are told. And hell's purpose is always to corrupt, to pollute, and to destroy. Satan is the great destroyer. Just look at mankind. Look at death everywhere. Look at the world and all that is in it. Wow. Enormous destruction through carelessness. Consider, he says. Consider. In other words, pay close attention to this. Don't be sloppy in your walk. Guard that fellow 24-7. And B, yet if you're not able to, uh, you're not able, I'm reminded to tame your tongue by James's words without God's help. Verses 7-8, God must do it. You can't do it. You and I cannot do it. You say, I'm a horse whisperer. I can, I can break a horse and tame him. Good for you. You can't do this guy. You might be able to do a horse, but you can't do that. That's what James is saying in verse 7 and 8 in this little excursion into the animal world. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. What's he saying? We, even though you may be able to control wild animals, you can't tame your tongue. Wild animals. We go to the zoo, and there's some great zoos in the country. San Diego Zoo, if you ever get out there, see the San Diego Zoo. Double-decker buses drive through and see all sorts of animal life. The Brookfield Zoo is a great one in the Chicago area. There are, there are some really good zoos where they take these wild animals and you get to walk through and, and to see them. You go down to SeaWorld and see some of these of the, of the water, the terrors of the deep, you know. And be, be thankful there's a half an inch of glass between you and them. <laughs> I won't want to get close to the sharks. You can walk actually through a tunnel and they swim overhead and you can wave to them. You know, some of these crazies out there I've read that. Have you seen that? These people out there in the North Pole, they go up to these little polar bears, they want to hug them and wonder why they're, they're a lunch, you know. They're not, it's not teddy bear, you know. They're wild animals, you know. But you can tame them. God has given men and women the ability to tame some and, 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 and not to make house pets. Please, there is a difference. It's some of the things that people carry in their head, one lady had recently, right? She had, what, a chimpanzee? or a, And it attacked her neighbor? Oh, my, he was so loving all those years. You go like, please, don't live in my city, you know? You, you can tame some of them. You can't domesticate them. There is a difference. And have you noticed one thing? Because we live in this world where naturalism seems to be pervasive, what is natural is best. I mean, some people want us to walk with bare feet and, uh, you know, without clothes and just everything, get back, no cars, no anything, turn the lights out, oh, won't it be wonderful? I got news for you, it won't be wonderful. It will not be wonderful. And, and there is a difference between mankind and the animal world. We're thankful for the animals. They teach us something about God. They are wonderful pets, and, and, and there's a place for it. But man and mankind, men and women, are made in God's image. They're priceless. They're the crown of creation. All of this, and then God puts man and woman in the garden. And it's man that puts animals in the zoo and not vice versa. 
The animals don't catch mankind, put them in zoos and say, that one's from China, and that one's there from Brazil, and look at those Eskimos, aren't they something, and the pygmies? No, please. But we do that, we're able to do that, and that's his point. We can tame them and even put like uh, these uh, killer whales down there and watch them jump through the hoops and do all kinds of stuff. Crazy, it's wonderful, sea world, right? It's not vice versa, but his point is there's no hope for the tongue. You cannot tame it. You cannot. It's impossible on your own. See, I'm going to work on it. You won't do it. You got a heart problem. It's a real cardiac of a problem. And only God can change the heart through salvation. Only God can give you a cleansed heart every single day. And only he can do it. Our whole only hope for a controlled tongue is for God's wonderful spirit to control it. Wow, the damage that is caused by the tongue. It's enormous. How many... How many marriages have been ruined? How many families destroyed? Dad said this, mom said that, sister said this. A business partner in the wreckage and the ruination of the tongue is enormous. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. That is a lie. I've healed from a broken arm. My friend in wrestling practice broke my arm. It healed, Frank Whale. That's his name, Frank Whale. Yeah, he's a, he, was, he used to be a good friend. <laughs> but I can remember some things people have said about me, I wish to God I could forget. And God can expunge that. You know that. He can in your life too. Sometimes dads, you know, you have the power of life with your children. You know, you walk around just because you couldn't do it and you're a naysayer and a downer and all that, you'll cripple your kids. You will. I mean, the grace of God can overcome that and certainly does, and I'm thankful for that. But you're the coach. You ought to set the bar high. You ought to be their cheerleaders. Encourage them. There's enough that want them to fail. Oh, you'll never amount to anything. You're a Dad, use your tongue, especially as we honor you and fathers. I think, encourage your kids. Go for it. Go for it. And then help them. Show them. Encourage them. The power of life and death. Ask God to help you in that. Say, well, my father, he'd never, he said I'd never amount. Well, so what? Take the best of that and move on. Move on. Move on with it. And build upon that which is good. There's some good there. You may have to really look for it, but there's some good. Move on with that. In verses 9 to 12, he deals with the, really the center, if you know Christ, which is really the center probably of our issues, and that is the idea of having a con- consistent tongue, or that your tongue may do all sorts of damage by being inconsistent. It's a big problem. That's the praise the Lord, and then, you know, same to you, fella, in the parking lot and the rest of the week. That's probably where the rubber meets the road for us. That's what he's saying in verses 9 to the end of the chapter. With the tongue we praise our Lord. Whoa, wasn't that great worship? 
and then we curse men. <laughs> James, Pastor James said, I got news for you. Something's not right here. Are you connecting the dots? Men and women that we circulate among and live among are made in God's image. Don't be inconsistent. You praise God. We ought to be thanking God. We ought to be careful with our tongues to those that bear the image of God in their very being. That's what he's saying. They've been made like God. It, to be, it's inconsistent. Out of your mouth to come praise and cursing. That's verse 10. Should not be. And then out of nature. He said, just look around at nature. Do you have a, you have a, a spring that has fresh water and salt water? Never. Do you get a fig tree from an olive tree? And here he sounds like his half-brother, the Lord Jesus, doesn't he, in the gospel? Fig trees and olives? No, I don't think so. Does a grapevine bear figs? No way. Here's his point. Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Your tongue's inconsistency is contrary to nature and, and tells of a heart problem. To bless God one moment, curse a person is grossly evil. We ought to ask God to expunge that from our hearts. Remember, there's no duplicity in God's creation. If the truth could be known, our tongues do so much more damage than even uh, nature. You know, you think of the tremendous effects of the hurricane that hit New Orleans and how horrible that was. When the levees gave way and those people and all that they had worked for and building their homes and their lives and their way of life was decimated within a matter of hours. The destruction of that. Or tornadoes, you'll see it as I do, that will go through and wipe out uh, certain neighborhoods and houses like they're straw men. When we lived in Indiana, uh, I remember a man talking about the land of tor tornadoes out there, and it's true, they have a lot of tornadoes. And coming from Buffalo, Faith and I never saw tornadoes. Uh, there, was, uh, there was straw, dry grass, sticking in a tree near our home, and the, our neighbor was showing it to me and say, we had a tornado go through here, and that grass went right into the tree by the tornado wind. I'm like, no way. And it was. The house behind where our place was was totally destroyed. Half the oak tree over our building was gone. The destruction of a tornado and a hurricane and a tsunami and some of these storms damage. But if the truth could really be told, if the truth could ever be known, far worse than any and all of that is the destruction that results from the tongue. The broken heart, the tears that have been shed, the people that ended their life because they were completely without hope. It should not be that way, James is saying. should not be that way. It shouldn't be that way whatsoever. I want you to turn to Ephesians because we're going to close just looking at some final words because Paul agrees completely with this whole thing in the tongue. I mean, the Bible is so full of teaching about our usage of the tongue that we ought to know this and know this well so that we practice it. Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote 5, 6, Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. The Proverbs, Solomon wrote 13, verse 3, He who guards his lip guards his life. 
Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And Paul is going to write in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 to 30, our third reminder regarding your tongue is that your tongue should not be used to express corrupting words. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, verse 29 and 30. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Let's just stop there. Your tongue should not be used to express corrupting words. Well, what does Paul mean? A, Paul uses the word unwholesome in the NIV which is in the Greek, is the word for rotten. It means that which is obviously corrupting. It's uh, like a piece of fruit that uh, has gone uneaten on your kitchen counter. Day after day, it turns brown, begins to start to stink. It's rotten. That's the idea. Faith is fond of buying uh, bananas. And uh, I always saying, eat, get your potassium, bananas. And I like bananas. But uh, sometimes there'll be a lot of them there, and maybe days will go when I won't eat them, and they start to turn, you know what color. And she'll usually rescue them because she makes tremendous uh, banana bread. And they go right into that, and we enjoy that, and they're saved. But that's the idea. Let no rotten words, like over-ripened fruit, Cross your teeth from your slippery, slimy serpent that's behind them. That's what Paul is saying. It's in the force of a command. Some examples of rotten uh, words are filthy and obscene and slanderous words. Dirty stories and profanity, crude jokes uh, should not come from your tongue. These are hard issue things. David wrote, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19.14. We live in a day in the younger generation in, in evangelical circles trying to show their liberty in Christ, uh, use all sorts of uh, profanity. They're free. They're able to use four-letter words and feel very free of doing it. Well, I have a problem with that because of Paul's teaching. And right here, those are rotten words. Those are not words that build up those that hear. And they should not be a part of a Christian's vocabulary. Your words should always be gracious, helpful, and constructive coming from a heart that is right, enabled by the Holy Spirit, remembering uh, that He alone can help you. And they should build up all that hear you. Depend on the Spirit and don't grieve Him by doing otherwise. But flip your, uh, find a corner of your sheet. Let me just give you a couple of ways. Some of this will be a little redundant. I'll just give you a kind of a grocery list of some of the ways in which we can sin with our tongues. We are being made into the likeness of Jesus. If you know Christ the Lord is your Savior, God is building you and to be like Jesus. We've talked a lot of that in the last few weeks. That is sanctification. 
And if I challenge you to look through any of the gospel accounts and see any of these things in the life of the Lord Jesus, please show them to me. For I suspect you'll never find any of these, ever. And if God is making you and me like Christ, then these things ought to describe uh, our, our words. Some things which we can do that ought, we ought not to do and sin with our tongue. Num- number one, lying. It's so easy for us to lie and cover the truth and speak half lives or deliberately misrepresent the truth. Be careful about that. You know, God always tells the truth, always, and so should we. We ought to be truth speakers. We ought to do that. Tell the truth and ask the Lord to help you on that. And when you lie, go and make it right. Speak the truth in love, graciously, kindly. Number two, teaching of error. That's the context of James 5. Don't be many teachers. There's greater judgment. God will deal with the teachers because they can teach error. And there's a lot of things that are phony that masquerade as is, uh, is so, is so much Bible teaching and preaching. Teaching. And number three, slander. Be careful about that. Of saying anything negative about anyone else. Slander. We've all received the 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 uh, the pain of that let that not be a part of you my mother's words were so constructive it seems like so many things we learn we learn before we're five isn't that true god's a little program of taking little rebellious beautiful little children and uh in training them up in the things of God through the words so many times of mom. My, anyway, my mom said, listen, if you don't have anything good to say, what? Don't say anything. Now, that's not bad. If we would just do that, we'd be halfway there. Slander. What about number four, gossip? Passing along those morsels to others. Listen, let me give you a warning on this. You and I are not even to pass along bad reports. Do you know that? Even if they're true. Hey, did you hear that about Bill? Oh, it's true. It's true. We're not even to do that. And in fact, the heart of the Lord would probably be to be a brokenheartedness if it's something that was not good. That's bearing his burden. That's not passing along. And gossip is like a fire throwing another log on it. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It ought to die with you. And if someone wants to pass along something to you, you know what will help your sinful heart and mine? Cut them off. I don't know that I need to hear this. I don't want to hear it. Just cut them off. You have my permission to be rude. I, th- I, I don't want to hear it. You know what? Not only that, remember, people always remember who told them what. So if there's a bad report, oh yeah, Susie told me that. Yeah, I remember that. Be careful. Be careful about that. Be careful. All right, number five, expressing anger. 
That's killing without knives. Slander is part of the same. Number six, profanity, speaking crude, rotten words, swearing. We used to call that swearing. I used to have soap in my mouth so much, you'd think my mouth was clean. And my mother put a big hunk of it in there, too. I had to suck on it for hours. I'd try and spit it out. And I learned there's certain things you don't say. Right? You need that. God's program for, for raising up children. Number seven, speaking word, lewd words, dirty stories. I remember I went to work for a steel mill, and uh, there were in that, uh, in that mill a few men from our church. And I was working on the cooling rack one day, a place you didn't really want to be. It was 100 yards long, and these bar, on the bar mill, the steel would go down there at 100 miles an hour down this bar mill, and it would step down and cool off from red hot, and finally at the bottom. Sometimes it got caught in the mechanism. You had to get up there and move it up there. And I remember that when I got down, and your legs would burn. You wore long johns because so hot it burned the hair off your legs under your jeans. And I got down there one time, and he didn't hear me, but one of the men from our church is over in the corner telling a dirty story. And everyone was, tee hee hee, ha 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 And I thought to myself, oh, it just killed me. To this day, I remember it. It ought never be. It ought never be. Be careful about that. Ask God to root that out of you. How about eight? Speaking down to others. That's pride, right? Be careful with those that you ask to do the most menial things. Be kind to those people that serve your tables and if you're in a hotel room that clean up your mess and, and uh, all those kind of things, you know. Be kind to those folks. You are the same. There's no difference between the wealthy and the poor. Read that in the Proverbs. God is the maker of both. God is the one who has given us our place in life. Don't in pride speak down. Can you see the Lord speaking down? And, hey, get over here. You're a slave. You're a servant. Never, ever. In fact, the common people loved him. And so should they, us, as we, we treat folks that way. Be careful. Not nine, speaking critically to others. That's pride again. Ten, sarcasm. I hate sarcasm. You know what sarcasm is? It's a critical spirit that has a humorous spin to it. You don't have the guts to say it to them, uh, uh, to be critical. So you put a little bit of a tee-hee-ha-ha on it, laugh, but it's a critical spirit. It's a sign you have a heart problem. Lord, root that out of me. How about number 11, making promises, using your words, your vows, and then breaking them. How about 12? How about omission? When you hear something and you don't correct it, you just kind of let it float by. You know it's not the truth. But you don't stick your neck up. Oh, that's the mass majority of people. They need a backbone. They need to know when to stand up. Say, wait, that's not right. You know, silence is seen as agreement. Just don't say anything. Oh, yeah, he was with us. Yeah, oh, he didn't say anything. Stand up. You know, there are a few things that you need to stand up for. Stand up. Use your mouth rightly in that regard. Please use it. Speak up. Don't be a no-show on that. Well, 
if you want to check, look at Proverbs 6 to see what God really hates. You know, God hates sin, and there are certain sins God really, really hates. And when you look in that list of Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, out of the seven things that God really hates. Oh, do we have that up there? Oh, good. Let's, let's read it. There are six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to him. Now, when it puts it that way in the Hebrew, the seventh is the thing that God really hates. Let's see what they are. There are haughty eyes. Now, look, lying tongue. There's the tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Next. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness. There's the tongue again who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. That's the seventh, a man who stirs up the division or dissension through the use of his tongue among brothers. That's what God really hates. Well, lessons for our lives. We'll be done. You know, you used to go to the doctor. Let me introduce it this way. Did you go to it? I had Dr. Rosner. Uh, I was talking about him with Faith and Sarah this week. He was a general surgeon who also did the general, um, uh, he was a GP as well. We'd go by if we had whatever was ailing us. And, he, and, he, and I remember him always saying there, and he, he would have one of those bright, shiny things on his head, you know. All right, Terry, stick out your tongue, and let's see how you're doing. And it came back to me when I thought of this. That's not bad. So how are you doing Stick out your tongue. Now, don't do that, literally. But the tongue, the tongue really tells us how we're doing spiritually, doesn't it? It's a great telltale. Number one, if your tongue reveals a sinful heart, let me urge you, deal with it. Deal with that. And you do that through confession and repentance. That is, if you know Christ the Lord. Don't allow it to lodge in your heart. We've all been hurt. We've all been abused. We've all been slandered. We've all said things. We've all been at the brunt of jokes and things. Don't allow a corrupting uh, inner thought about it. Release them. Forgive your debtors. Forgive those that have sinned against you as well. Deal with that. And if you, and if you have this Deal with it. Lord Jesus, forgive me and cleanse me. I want to be like you in this. I want to bless those who curse me. I want, to, I want people to see Christ. And so your tongue is the great telltale. It's the thermometer. And just say, oh yeah, that's right. No, if it indicates there's a problem, deal with it. Deal with it today. Number two, self-control, I remind you, is a fruit of the Spirit. Only God can help you control the serpent behind your teeth. Only the Lord. Lord, help me in that. Help me. Help me not to be so quick on the draw to come back and to say something that I regret. And Really, you know, the part of the reality of it is, is that your words, once you let them go, you can never get them back. And we've all said things, and we've said, why did I ever say that? Oh, why? Oh, if I could have my words back. Like the guy that wrote a letter to a boss that fired him. And it was a caustic letter. 
You know, so, and, and, and instead of doing it, you know, you write a letter and you measure your words. And then I urge you, if you do write letters, do people write letters anymore? You, you put it on your desk for about two days. Don't mail it in that heat. Well, he didn't. He mailed it. And he's down there at the mail post office trying to get it back. But discovered you can't, once you, once you put it in the system, it's going. And once you let them go, they are out there, and you can never get it back. The fruit of the Spirit, Lord, control me. God wants to control your tongue by giving you a right heart. Number three, never underestimate the power of your words. Never, never, never do that. Never do that. Especially you, Dad. You have the power of life and death in ways that you little imagine. You say, well, I'm just Dad. Oh, you, you have big shoes there. They're little ones that are looking at you. My father's father was probably not saved and was, a, was in many ways had some good gifts and abilities, but he was a terrible father to my father and cursed him out on his deathbed and made my father weep and weep and almost came to Christ early in his life, brokenhearted. His father didn't help him. But you know, my dad became a better man through that. And as the years unfolded, he grew in, in, in some mighty wonderful ways and wasn't consigned to repeat what his father had done to him. Never underestimate the power of your words, especially you, dad, the power of life and the power of death. Number four, Always use your words. Always. You say, don't always use always. Yeah, the Bible does. Always use your words to build up others. And if you do that, you'll glorify God. You'll be like Jesus. Use your words to edify others. And number five, maybe, just maybe, your words indicate that uh, you're lost. That your heart is wicked and sinful, and you've never been saved. And the telltale message for you would be to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved from the penalty of your sin. You know you can do that? The Lord Jesus, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Well, nobody likes a tattletale. Get out of here. I'm going to beat you up for telling on me to daddy and mommy. You got yours coming. You wait. You wait. You wait, right? You never said that. But some have said that. But our tongues do just that. They wag in the wind and tell a tale about your heart and mine where it is at that moment. May we never, ever, ever forget it. The power and the destruction and the proper usage that God wants us to use our tongues to be a blessing. Thank you.